Welcome to Scholastic Reads, our podcast about books, authors, and the joy and power of reading. I'm your host, Suzanne McCabe, Editor-at-Large at Scholastic. Thank you for joining us. Dogman is incredible. I love Dogman because he's a hero and he's so brave. I love Dogman because he is super funny. I love Dogman books. My favorite character is Dogman. I like Dogman because he's very funny and always playful. I love Dogman because um he is my favorite character in a book and he's my favorite book in the world. You guessed it. Today we're talking about Dogman. The series has become a global phenomenon that has dominated both adult and children's bestseller lists, with more than 23 million copies in print to date and translations in 32 languages. But it's not just about numbers. Kids really love these books. We'll hear from many young readers throughout today's episode, as well as the creator himself, Dave Pilkey. Hi, Dave. Welcome to the program. Hi, Suzanne. Thank you for having me. We're delighted that you're here, and we're delighted to be talking about Dogman and Do Good. Yes, yeah. All right, I have a few questions for you. I'm sure that our listeners are eager to hear from you. So let's start with For Whom the Ball Rolls. Could you tell us a little bit about your latest Dogman book? Yeah, uh, the the newest one, which just came out, is is kind of based on um, two two ideas, uh, really the idea of perspective um, and being positive or being negative. And sometimes, you know, two people can walk into the same room, see the exact same things and take take away two different perspectives. Um, and then there's also the idea of doing good, um, not just being good, because I think we're all good at heart, you know, but but actually being proactive, taking that next step and doing what we can to, to make this world a better place. Wonderful. Now, tell us about the creators behind the scenes, George and Harold. (laughs) Why are young readers now, generation after generation, so captivated by them? I think George and Harold kind of represent... power and, and, and freedom. And I think a lot of times children uh, may not believe that they have power and freedom. You know, they, they, they feel like, you know, they always have to ask permission or, or um, you know, they can't drive their own cars. They can't. Sometimes they feel like they're, they're confined by other people's uh, decisions and schedules. And so um, I think readers like the fact that George and Harold are kind of making up their own rules as they, as they go <laughs> and they're and breaking a lot of the rules as they go along. And I think um, I think kids are uh, they respond to that and they identify with that. And maybe the, I hope they're inspired by that. It sounds like they are. I'm sure that they are. <laughs> also, I, the boys come up with all kinds of devices to get their characters into trouble and out of trouble. Yeah. <laughs> I really began to wonder, were you fascinated by science and technology as a kid? Were you drawn to how things work and gadgets? Uh, you know, not so not as much, really, um, as, as I was to imagination and creativity and, and how 
using our imagination and, and, and creativity can, can get us into trouble and get us out of trouble. And, and, um, and so that's what I was always trying to do, even as a kid, because I had a lot of challenges, um, especially when it came to reading and sometimes behaving myself. I had ADHD and I, I didn't want my classmates to think of me as a bad kid or as a kid who couldn't read very well. So I was always drawing and making up stories because I wanted to be the known as, I wanted to be known as the storyteller or the, the cartoonist, the, the class artist. I, I, and so using my imagination and creativity kind of got me out of, of, of being put into a, a box that I didn't want to be in. So you felt a bit like a misfit. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, a lot like a misfit. I, I still do, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess that's something a lot of kids can relate to. Everybody feels different or ostracized at some time. I think so. I, I it's surprising because I, I've met people who I thought were like the most confident people, the, you know, the most put together people I've ever met. And, you know, when you get to know them, you find out they feel like misfits, too. And, I, and, and it's so surprising. It was so surprising to me that that was actually one of the one of what one of the books is about um, how we all feel like misfits. And it's OK. You know, it's OK. It's OK to be different. It's OK to think different. It's the spice of life. Yeah. Actually. yeah. It's not only okay, it's great. <laughs> yes, it gives us exactly. so many perspectives. Yeah. For Whom the Ball Rolls is in stores now, and there are a lot of things going on plot-wise here. The Super Buddies have been working to help Dogman overcome his bad habits, which is going to come back to bite them. There's a new supervillain on the loose, and Petey and little Petey are trying to figure out life together. Why don't we give our listeners a little preview of what they can expect? Okay, so I'm Petey. You're little, little, little Petey, yeah. and I'll be Petey. Okay. Hey, Papa, look at the cute flowers. Those aren't flowers. Those are weeds. Oh. Hey, Papa, look at the pretty river. That river isn't pretty. It's polluted. Oh. Hey, Papa, look at all the twinkly stars. Hey, watch where you're stepping. There's mud everywhere. Oh. Do you know what your problem is? What, Papa? You've been living with those two knuckleheads for so long that you think the whole world is just rainbows and unicorns and lollipops. Yay, lollipops! But it's time you woke up and faced the truth. You need a good dose of reality. <laughs> that was so fun, Dave. You've so outdone yourself with this book. Adults who haven't read Dogman, you know, they might think the books are just kid stuff. Mm -hmm. They're really not. The, the plots are incredibly complex, so, uh, hilariously Aww. so. Thank I you. even had to look up a vocabulary word <laughs> here. So I wondered, um, tell us what's the secret to keeping kids who even may be reluctant readers or struggling readers. How do you keep them captivated? Clearly they are. They grab these books. How do they follow along? In what are really complex stories? I think the kids are drawn in by the emotion in in, in Dogman. Um, they're not just funny stories, and they're not just action stories, but there there's a lot of pathos in it, and a lot of, um, especially with the introduction of this little kitten. Um, his name is Little Petey, and I, he he kind of came into this world in the third book, and he didn't know what's going on, and so he's asking all these questions and trying to figure out his place in the world, and and he seems to be the kind of the the standout character in this series. Kids really identify with him and they love his the journey that he's on. And 
And I think they're because they identify with them, they're they're ready to go along on the, on all the journeys in these books. Hi, my name is Byron. I'm eight years old, and I love Dogman. My favorite character is Little Petey. Hi, I'm Isaac from Evans, Georgia, and I really like Dogman because it is awesome. And my favorite part of Lord of the Fleas was when Little Petey said to his papa, Hey, papa, you've got weird hairs in your nose. <laughs> it was really funny. Um, I like um, Dogman bigger than me because Petey's a bad guy and the little cat's so cute. And he's um, a friend of Dogman and he's also a superhero and Dogman's superhero. And they're both... And one's a policeman superhero, one's a cast superhero. Let's talk about Lil Petey. What inspired his creation? He's actually, in, in a way, inspired by my mom um, or the relationship that I have with my mom. Um, uh, when I was a kid, I, I was always getting in trouble. I, I had ADHD before they even had a term for it. Um, and so... I couldn't sit in my seat, and I knew I was supposed to do these things. I knew I was supposed to be good and not interrupt and not wander around the classroom and try to make other kids laugh. I knew what I was supposed to do, but I, sometimes I just couldn't. I couldn't. I couldn't control myself. And my teachers, they didn't understand what ADHD was. They didn't understand that it wasn't my fault. I was. It's just. It's just how I was, and and so I kind of grew up feeling like, you know, not, not, not just a misfit, but actually like a bad guy. And, and um, cause I was always getting in trouble, always getting sent out in the hallway or sitting outside the principal's office always. And, and sometimes I just felt like that was sort of my destiny. You know, that's who I was. I was the bad guy. And my mom, she was such a positive influence on me. And she would always, you know, sometimes I'd come home from school, I'd be so, so upset. I'd be crying. And she would say, you know, it, Maybe you can use your imagination to change things around. And, you know, maybe it doesn't have to be, you know, maybe it's not just black and white like 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 you see it right now. Maybe you can change things. Maybe you can you can find a way to, to take these bad things and turn them into something good. And so that that relationship between my mom and me is kind of the relationship between Petey and little Petey up. Uh, Little Petey believes in his father, even though he doesn't believe in himself, um, even though he thinks he's the bad guy. Little Petey's always, no, 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 you can, you can redo this. You, <laughs> you, yeah. can, you can reinvent yourself. You can be a better version of yourself. You, I know you can change, you know, and, and so it's inspired by real life. And Little Petey has a big influence on Petey. Yes, yeah. I think it's the love um, that, I, you know, Petey didn't didn't want this child. He didn't expect this child. This <laughs> child just kind of appeared. And he didn't expect to fall in love with this child either. You know, he, this this child is is uh, the love that Petey feels for this little kitten is is transforming him. And I think that's the thing that's, that's helping him to grow. And I think also what Petey didn't expect was to have child with a conscience yeah yeah <laughs> and a, good, <laughs> a yeah. good being yeah and i wondered you know what do you hope kids will take away from little Petey since he is the only kid in the book mm -hmm. the only and he's really the best person there is if i say or oh, he's yeah, yeah he, I, he's a good i egg. think so yeah <laughs> yeah i well you know i hope kids are inspired by that um because not only is is he a good and and um you know 
tries to be moral and tries to do good. Not only is is he that, but he also is constantly questioning things around him. And and uh, sometimes I think you know you feel like maybe you don't if you're asking questions constantly that maybe that shows ignorance or something. But I think it's it's powerful. It's part you know we need especially kids. They don't understand right. how everything works. You have to constantly ask questions. That's how that's how we figure things out. That's how change happens. Kids often have a conscience. They know what's fair and what's right. right. Mm-hmm. And maybe that gets clouded sometimes yeah, by yeah. adulthood. I did. I was asking you about the challenge in these books. I did want to ask you about how you draw upon classic literature. I, mean, oh, I yeah. loved the old man and the seafood crackers oh, yeah. <laughs> and the great cat's bee. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tell us all about your relationship with literature and how you're bringing that to your young readers. Well, I read a lot of classic literature when I was in college and, and a lot of the themes really stayed with me. Um, I One of my favorite books is um, uh, Tale of Two Cities uh, by Charles Dickens and and um, I really love the transformation of Sidney Carton and in the in the final, especially in the final part, because the just the self sacrifice, what he, what he does to change things around, and I think it's one of the most beautiful stories ever told. And 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 so taking that idea of self sacrifice and turning it into a brand new story, it was something that really appealed to me. And I. You know that that's that sort of started a theme in in the new Dogman books. So that every I, I go back to the classic stories that I loved so much, like Steinbeck's East of Eden, um, became a theme in and I think it was Dogman and Cat Kid, where Cat Kid is wrestling with his own identity. It's like it, if my dad is a bad guy, does that mean that I have to be a bad guy too? Which is totally East of Eden, you know. Yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and so it's it's fun to take these these themes that reappear, you know, over and over again, and not just in classic literature, but even before that. I mean, we've been telling these stories to ourselves since the beginning of time, I think, you know, these themes, and it's fun to explore them. So true. Well, that's a good segue into, you're talking about the Do Good campaign, what inspired it and and what is involved with it. Could you tell our listeners about that? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think a lot of times, you know, I spoke before about how kids sometimes feel helpless, you know, um, they feel like they don't have a lot of power, but, but we all have power and we all are good people, but I wanted, I just wanted goodness to be not, not just a, something that we identify ourselves at, but almost like something that we take goodness and love and turn it into verbs. You know, these are our action words. These are our call to action to to help not only our families, but maybe in our classrooms and our communities, we can take this idealism and make a difference. Many of us do like to think of ourselves as good people, but you Mm. really did. You took action. You're doing good. Why are you so passionate about that? Why did you, what inspired you to take that next step? Well, I think it's the the goodness that that I experienced as a kid that really changed my life, and and I think we're all capable of of doing that in our families and communities and classrooms and things. But I I just I think back to my childhood, even with my struggles with reading, I I used to not identify as a reader. I used to hate reading. I having dyslexia as a child was so challenging for me, and I remember thinking of myself not as a reader that's i don't i'm not that guy <laughs> and my mom she has she just wouldn't buy that you know she would take me to the library every week and she would let me pick out whatever i wanted with no judgment and and this this act of goodness that she that she performed every week and 
with with no judgment either. You know, I, right. I sometimes I took the I check out I turn, return a book and check it right back out again because I liked it so much and I wanted to read it. And, and you know, she would never say, you know, you read that book twenty five times. You need, to, <laughs> you need to move on. Nothing like that. And before. I knew it, that love um, that I was associating with these books that I was finding every week um, changed me and it changed my identity. Um, I realized I was a reader I, I, and I love reading. And, and just that simple act of goodness on my mom's part changed my life. And I think we all are capable of, of changing lives. That's so wonderful. And it makes me think about how when children can't read, I mean, they often feel weak mm-hmm. and... yeah less than many yeah. times bullies are the ones who can't read yeah yeah and you talk about very aptly how reading is actually a superpower yes. or a superpower yeah <laughs> <laughs> and that yeah. is so true it really is yeah I, I i noticed that even now um you know because i still do have dyslexia i I still have some shame that I associate with reading, um, with not being able to read as fast um, as as others, and and I it still comes back to me, and and it it can be very, a very devastating thing, you know, to not identify as a reader, and so that's one of the reasons why I love to to go on the road and to meet kids and and stuff. And say, you know, I was just like you. You know, I, I was one of those kids who was <laughs> always, always getting in trouble, and I didn't didn't like to read when I was little. But you know, things turned around, and it changed everything for me. And I think it's it's good to, for kids to see example examples of you know people who've turned out okay. You know, even though they started out feeling less than. And many of them turn out okay because they started with Dogman. Aww. Books were the first books I ever enjoyed reading. I didn't like reading when I was little, but when I started reading his books, I began to love reading. My name is Rain from the Philippines, and I want to say that there are a lot of reasons why I love this book series. Every time I read his books, it gives me self-confidence and becoming a better person to be good and hashtag do good. Thank you, DP. Keep on inspiring me. Dave Pilkey's books make me laugh a lot, and they make me feel more adventurous. When you meet these children who've read your book and felt transformed and been given that power, really by your creativity, that must be a high. <laughs> it, it is, and it's yeah. something I take home with me to to my studio because it's not, a lot of times I'm up in my studio for you know 12 to 14 hours a day, trying getting those drawings done and then, and and, and uh, refining those drawings, making sure that they're they're um, good enough to send off uh, to my editor. <laughs> and it, they, it can be lonely up there. It can be you know um, I, I can feel kind of isolated, but I. I think about those kids and, you know, sometimes those parents who come up with tears in their eyes and, or, or some of those success stories, you know, where I, I hear from parents that I, I, I'll never forget this. One parent was saying that her, her child just graduated from uh, college with a PhD in like nuclear um, physics or something like that. And, and her daughter was one of those children who said, I'm not a reader when she was six. And, but she, one day she found Captain Underpants, and I was like, "Oh, <laughs> that's like yes. the best story, you know." And, and that's that's what keeps me going during those long hours. Yeah. Uh, we want to hear more about the time at the drawing table. What's a typical day like? I know there probably are not typical days, but how do you get take your ideas to the page? And just tell us a little bit about that creative process. Uh, it's a little 
strange because uh, sometimes uh, because I I we have we're on a tight schedule with where we publish two books a year. There have been times where I'll finish a book and I have no idea what the next book is going to be about and. I have to start tomorrow. <laughs> so, and I have to get those pages in. And so um, I set a, a a goal for myself to, to write and draw uh, at least two pages a day and, and as many as four. And, and I have to kind of push myself and uh, to be creative, which is kind of a new experience for me. Cause I, I, back in the old days, I would like wait for inspiration, but sometimes you can't, you can't wait for inspiration. You have to go. And so I find that, as long as I keep getting those pages done, the stories seem to, I seem to find the stories. And so I guess that's my typical day. <laughs> well, do you laugh as much as we, your readers do when you turn those pages out <laughs> and the uh, zaniness of the characters and what they come up with? Sometimes. I I, I think because a lot of times before I turn the pages into my editor, I'll, I'll I, I want to make sure that everything flows well. So I'll I'll keep them all back, and I and I'm constantly reading and rereading it to uh-huh. make sure that everything flows well. That that it makes you want to turn the page. And I, I I think that's really important. Oh, that's great. Okay, well, now that we have you at your desk all day, we're sending you out on a world tour. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about that. Where you're going and what you're excited about. Um, well, we are going all throughout the United States, and then we're uh, also going to China and to Hong Kong and to India. That's it's my favorite part of my job. You know, um, you come to a, a place, a city where the entire community has come together to celebrate literacy, and um, you know, just to be a small part of that, yeah. you know, I is is just overwhelming sometimes. Just to see all the love and all the energy that's going on, and it's uh, it's a great place to be. You're not just inspiring kids around the world to read, but also to create on their own and to create their own stories. I love the drawing prompts in the back of your book. <laughs> I'm just wondering what kinds of art have your young readers shown you that they've created? Uh, all kinds. And that that's one of the wonderful things about going out on tour, too, because a lot of the kids who come up to meet me are holding something that they've made. Um uh, and often it's a comic, but sometimes it's a story they've written, or often sometimes it's just pictures. But um, but you, you when you then when the parents will tell you that this was unprompted, you know that they didn't tell their child to, to sit down and write a story. Their child read the book and decided on their own to write a story. That's amazing to know that that they did that on their own <laughs> is is so much fun. And and so our the uh, the meet and greet lines can get quite. They can take a long time because I'm looking through everything and I like to see what they've done and and uh, it's just so inspiring uh, all that creativity to, just to be around that. I love the Dogman series because the books are super funny. Reading Dogman inspired me and my friends to make our own comics. Our comics are kind of based on Dave Popey's ideas and kind of humor. First, we decide on the superhero you want, and then we think of the weirdest thing that could ever be a villain. Like pants, for example. Then we think of the weirdest thing that could happen. Like slamming a door gives the pants superpowers or something. And then we draw a cover and create the story on why slamming a door gives the pants superpowers. Your parents were also very encouraging about your own creativity. Yes, yeah. Which was foundational for you. Yes, yeah. Why is it so important for adults to encourage creativity in their children? Well, 
Again, I can really only talk about my own experience. You know, I was a discouraged little boy who was always getting in trouble for drawing during class or what. And so, and my or making comics, and my my parents saw that I was starting to get discouraged all the time, and they didn't want that to happen. So, they started commissioning stories from me. They they asked me if I would write a um, a series of comics just for them. Um, and so I did. I, I I came up with a character called Waterman, and I made twenty comics, original comics, just for them. And as soon as I would finish one and show it to them, they would, no matter what they were doing, they would drop it. And even my dad was in the middle of mowing the lawn; he would stop <laughs> and turn the lawnmower off. We'd go inside, and and, and he uh-huh. would, and he would read it. My parents would both read with me, and and they would laugh in all the right places. And they and they would, if there was a question they had, they would we'd talk about it. And and I I think I really. I think kids really crave that kind of rapport with their parents. And so um, that was another thing that in- encouraged me not only to um, to create, but also to, to recognize myself as a cr- creator that I, you know, you know how I was saying how it's important to recognize yourself as a reader, but also as a storyteller too. It was, it was a big deal for me. Now, on a lighter note, we had such an exciting summer in New York City because Dogman came to the stage here. Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah. What was that process like for you? You hear the term dream come true all the time, but I it was dreamlike was really actually a, a pretty good experience. Uh, description of, of what it was to to go to the theater and not only to see the, this play and the performances uh, the music and the story and and the performers themselves were just amazing but to watch the audience the children and the parents and and sometimes there would be adults in the audience who don't have any kids with them I'm thinking like why are they there you know <laughs> <laughs> <Guilty as charged. laughs> but it's amazing to see we were just there recently and and because uh, we keep my wife and I keep sneaking in to see the show <laughs> and, uh, and there were two guys sitting together and no kids with them and just stone-faced for like the first 10 minutes and then you just saw them starting to laugh and smile and then they're whispering to each other and and then by the by the intermission they were laughing their heads off and they were having such a good time and just like all the kids around them all the other parents everyone everyone is just having so much fun and i to be a, a a very small part of what was happening up there on the stage and, and in that theater is, was just overwhelming and very, very dreamlike. Well, congratulations. It, it, the play was a tour de force. The I, musical was a tour de force. Thank you. As are these books. And we're so grateful that you're part of the Scholastic family. Thank you, Dave. Thank you, Suzanne. To learn more about Dogman, check the show notes or go to scholasticreads.com. Special thanks to producer Emily Morrow, associate producer Mackenzie Cutrizula, and music composer Lucas Elliott Eberl. I'm Suzanne McCabe. We look forward to sharing more Scholastic Reads next time.